the Oscar goes and to. And the Oscar goes and the Oscar to. Goes to. My only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I could have been a contender. Fasten yourself. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer. Oh, really? Love is is too weak a word. Welcome to the next Best Picture podcast. And the Oscar goes to The Shape of Water. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 128 of the Next Best Picture podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia, back to you from the 2019 Sundance Film Festival. Thank you so much, everyone, for being patient and waiting for this episode. I know that our podcast output has been lacking the last couple of days, but I assure you it is going to be totally worth it. Today, we are going to be discussing some of the Guild winners, and we are also uh, announcing the nominations for the 2018 MVP Film Community Awards voted on by you, the MVP Film Community. Uh, Those Nominations will be able to be voted on right away, and we will announce those winners here on the show two weeks, a week before the Academy Awards. Here to help me with this episode, I have Michael Schwartz. Hello, everyone. Josh Parm. Hello, hello. And also because we are announcing the MVP Film Community Award nominations here today, I've got two guests from the MVP Film Community. We have Ethan Gordon. Hello. And Carl DeLosantos. Hey, everyone. All right, so everyone, hello, 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 hello. I am, I am here. I am ready. I am, uh, I, I, I am, I am on way too much coffee right now uh, after uh, the lack of sleep that I have received over the last ten days. I think I have received less than twenty-four hours of sleep. I'm not sure if that's accurate, but it, it might be. It, I know last night I only got two hours of sleep, so I'm going to do the best that I can with this recording. I just didn't want to let anybody down today. I wanted to make sure that I got something out there. And also, too, there's a lot that went down this week in terms of the Oscar race. You know, we, we, the last time we were on the show here, we talked about our, our reactions to the Oscar nominations themselves. But the SAG Awards were held uh, while I was away over at Sundance, and I want to get a chance to talk about those. Oh, and one other thing, too. In case you are wondering, uh, we are going to be doing a Sundance-specific recording at a later date sometime this week, so while we're not going to be diving so deep into that here today, um, we will have a separate episode dedicated to that uh, with a few people who attended the festival with me. Uh, Before I get into the SAG Awards, though, I saw a lot of movies this week, maybe the most I've ever seen in a condensed week before my entire life, but I'm more so curious to know what everybody else caught up with while I was away. Michael, why don't we start off with you? What did you catch up on this week before we dive into the guilts? So I caught up with two movies, one as a holdover from 2018 and one as an advanced screening for something opening in a few weeks. The one that I caught up with was Stan and Ollie, which I had been meaning to get around to for a little bit. And, you know, I know we've all seen the previews, heard what it's about, heard the good reviews. I loved it. I thought John C. Riley and Steve Coogan were absolutely fantastic. And so were the women who played their wives, Shirley Henderson and Nina Arianda. Just a really fantastic ensemble. Really great movie that, you know, is entertaining and funny in parts, but also really, you know, bittersweet and quite sad by the end. I just thought it was a wonderful look into this friendship between Laurel and Hardy. And uh, it was just a really, really great film. So I liked that quite a bit. And then the one that I got to see a little bit in advance was uh, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, which had preview screenings yesterday nationwide. 
And I won't go into too much detail since not many people have had the chance to see it yet, but this is just a wonderful finale to a really strong franchise that's been around for just about a decade now. I won't say it's my favorite in the franchise, but it's just a really great way to end this trilogy. So go see it when it opens. Cool. And see it in 3D, by the way. The 3D is really immersive. Oh, I'm so sure. Nice to see that used again. The, la- the last couple of films there, uh, the first two, worked very, very well in 3D. So I'm glad to hear that that upholds because 3D is becoming kind of a uh, phased out uh, aspect, I feel like now. No one seems to be really excited about seeing anything in 3D nowadays. Yeah, I, I was reminded of when the first How to Turn Your Dragon opened. It was up against Alice in Wonderland and Wrath of the Titans. And that's when movies were competing for screens because you could only put it on so many screens in 3D. And the two of them were cash grabs, but How to Train Your Dragon really worked well in that format. And I think when it's used now, you see it's not very often, but when they do use 3D, it's used for a good reason most of the time. All right. Awesome. Really cool. I'm very much looking forward to catching that. I know I've had an opportunity to see it while I was away at Sundance, but too busy, too busy, uh, unfortunately. But uh, what about you, Josh? Catch up on anything this week? Uh, Well, I also got to see something uh, a little bit early Um, a couple weeks ago. I got to see the Lego movie, too. Ooh. And it is not quite as good as the first movie, um, but it is still a pretty fun, enjoyable film. Uh, the Lord and Miller team did not direct this one. They wrote it. And I feel like you can kind of get that the humor is not quite as sharp as the first movie is, but it's still really enjoyable, still a really good movie and kind of a fun time to, to be had by all. I think it's out this upcoming weekend. So I would still recommend people check it out. So that was pretty good. Yeah, no, I'm really much looking forward to it. I mean, the Lego movie seemed to be following a formula lately. Uh, we've kind of sensed this with Lego Ninjago, Lego Batman movie, and now with Lego movie two, the second part on title. Um, you know, I think it's kind of safe to say that the formula that they've been using across all the movies kind of starting to wane a little bit. Is that the case here? Yeah, it's really difficult to capture lightning in a bottle twice, and I feel like every attempt that they've had so far with their sequels and spinoffs just haven't quite gotten to that point of just that total shock and surprise with the first movie. This one comes the closest to it, but it still kind of falls short a bit for me, but it's still a recommendable film, I would say. Okay, cool. Uh, Ethan? What about you? Did you catch up on anything this week? Well, this week I actually had uh, two really big uh, rewatches that really struck me in a different way than the first time. Two of the most hyped films of 2018, I uh, both of which uh, my feet are brought back because of Oscar nominations. Um, I wanted to see both If Beale Street Could Talk and Roma again because the first time I liked both of them a lot, but I did not love them. And that really, like... That just broke my heart because I was so excited for both of them. But last Wednesday, I saw Beale Street could talk again. And something about it, I just sat into its groove this time. Something about it just struck me. It was so beautiful. I saw it with my grandma. And it was uh, it was one of the best theater-going experiences I've had in a long time. Something about it was just incredible. I really love that. And then um, yesterday, I saw Roma again in theaters because uh, my theater brought it back. And it was completely different the first time i liked it but i i saw it at a very late screening it was like nine it was a friday evening i was exhausted but i had to see it you know it was the first day it opened and i saw i saw roma again this time and i just something about it struck me even further than the first time it really really got under my skin and i really 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 absolutely adored it this time it's both of which just jumped right up into my top 10 of the year um especially beale street which I mean, I'd like to see it again even. It might even be dancing around number one for me. Something about it was just incredible. 
Wow. Yeah, no, they're definitely two of my favorite films of the year. Easily landed within my top five uh, of the year for sure. I, you know, and I've only watched each one of them once, but those are two films that I will gladly revisit. I just want to give it a little bit of breathing room and some time before I go back mm-hmm. to them again, because I do feel that those are two films that uh, – based on the changes in one's life and experience that one, uh, you know, goes through, I do feel like the meaning of the film can take on um, a different, uh, or, or sorry, the film itself could take on a different meaning for you, um, depending on where you're at at a different stage in your life. So that's really cool to hear though. Uh, Carl, what about you? What did you catch up on this week? Uh, so I also saw a movie that comes out in a couple weeks. Uh, I went to the last press screening of Alita Battle Angel. Ooh. Yeah. And so, I really had no idea to expect. I went before the embargo broke and it is um, okay. <laughs> uh, I think it ends up being better than the other CGI heavy movies like Ready Player One and Valerian um, and the City of a Thousand Planets or whatever the title is. Um, the CGI is really, really good. Um, Rodriguez is also fantastic at action sequences. Uh, a lot of these kind of reminded me of Spy Kids 3D um, in a weird way. And I say that in the highest regard possible. Um, Rosa Salazar is really, really good as Alita. Um, and Christoph Waltz does a great job as well. Um, the plot is nearly incomprehensible, but it kind of doesn't really matter because visually it uh, keeps you in the entire time. Um, so I'm really excited for to break publicly it's kind of getting mixed reviews right now but um i think it's probably going to be a good audience movie well this is all very exciting to hear and a good segue actually from here is to talk about the polls uh that were ongoing while i was away i didn't have a chance to really update any of them until today and a lot of the movies that you all mentioned here lego movie alita battle angel and how to train your dragon the hidden world are actually all movies that were pertaining to our polls this week in some uh shape or form so what i want to do really quickly uh, before we get over to the guilds, as I just want to recap uh, some of the polls, uh, last week's poll or a week and a half, whatever it was, the last poll before the new one from today, uh, I asked everyone what was their most anticipated film of 2019. Uh, I listed a couple of different choices, including Avengers Endgame, The Irishman, The Lion King, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Toy Story 4, Us. I didn't list everything. I listed just you know some big titles that stood out to me, and I had a write-in option as well. Uh, but I want to ask everyone here, uh, first and foremost, considering that we're still very early in the year. Uh, Michael, let's start off with you. What is your most anticipated film of 2019? My most anticipated as of today, February 3rd, because sometimes a movie will come along later in the year that we didn't even know existed. Ain't that the truth? Yeah, as of today, uh, looking at the 2019 movies, my most anticipated is Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Or as we like to call it around here, film Twitter to the movie. <laughs> Just because <laughs> that, of that cast. For a variety of reasons. That cast, the fact that it's Greta Gerwig's follow-up to Lady Bird, which was my favorite film of 2017, and the fact that it's another adaptation of Little Women. And not that we need so many adaptations of these classic novels, but I think that's one that really lends itself to different interpretations. And the one from 1994 is wonderful. Of course, there's the old one with a Catherine Hepburn from years and years and years ago. I'm just interested to see what Gerwig is interested in in looking at this time around. All right. Awesome. Uh, Josh, what about you? Well, I think for me, the one that I am most anticipating is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> and it is a movie, though, that I am both so eager to see, but I'm also kind of dreading as to what the outcome of that's going to be, because... Quentin Tarantino obviously is a brilliant filmmaker, but sometimes 
he can have questionable choices in his storytelling, especially lately, it seems. And, you know, a movie that takes place in Hollywood with the Manson murders going on in the background, I I can see how that could turn very bad very quickly. So obviously it's Tarantino, so I'm excited to see it, but I'm also kind of preparing for a potential disaster for that film, too. I just feel like the Manson murders aspect, I feel like it might be more background than so heavily integrated into the plot. No, it's going to be part of it. They have the characters are very closely aligned. The Not the fictional characters, of course, but the real life characters are aligned with the Manson clan. Huh. Hmm. That's weird. Because uh, I heard a press release saying that they were in the background, sort of, or at least the, the, the acting characters and like Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio uh, are like the primary focus, at least. I think they're going to be in the forefront, but when you have like you know these members of the Manson family and Margot Robbie as uh, Sharon Tate, you know, it just seems like it's going to play a bigger role than some people are thinking. Fair, yeah. But I'm, what I'm most curious to see though is like how that storyline ties into this unknown storyline about this actor and his uh, was it his stunt double, yeah. right? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know how the two are going to mix, and I guess that's like the unpredictability aspect of Tarantino that makes his project so exciting. Uh, we definitely eagerly anticipate what that one is going to be like. For I'm sure, sure it'll be three hours too, so it's going to be a lot yeah. of time to tell that story. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, you know what? Guy comes out with a movie every three years. Give me an hour for each year. I say, you know, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Uh, Ethan, what about you? What are you looking forward to? Um, I have a few. I just want to run off real quick, if that's okay, because there's so much good stuff coming out this year. Sure. Uh, there's an untitled titled Noah Baumbach uh, film coming out with Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver, Greta Gerwig, and Laura Dern, and that's going to be on Netflix. Oh my god, that sounds so good. I love him so much. Uh, the Mayowitz stories, New and Selected, was among my favorites, if not my favorites, of 2017, just because it hit very personally for me. Um, and I'm also really excited for Uncut Gems, uh, the new Safdie Brothers film. Oh, yeah. I think Adam <laughs> I think Adam Sandler is one of our best actors. Uh, Wait, what? <laughs> I think Adam Sandler is one of our best dramatic actors. No, no, no. I heard you the first time. I'm just like... Okay, let me, let me rewind. I think Adam Sandler can be an incredible dramatic actor if he's given the right role. And I think he should take more roles that really challenge him because I think he's incredible. That's better. Drunk love. I think he's incredible and funny people. And he gives my favorite performance of 2017, the Mayowitz stories new and selected. So I think I just, I'm really excited to see what he does there. Plus, Good Time was great. I have a lot of faith in this one. Um, besides that, I'm also really excited. Um, Trey Edward Schultz of uh, Krisha and It Comes at Night, two movies I really liked. He's making a musical with Lucas Hedges and uh, Sterling K. Brown from This Is Us called Waves. That looks awesome. Um, uh, and Blinded by the Light, this premiered at Sundance. I think it's from the director of... Uh, uh, some mid two thousands comedy my mom loves and uh, bend it like Beckham. Yeah, bend it like Beckham. And Bruce Springsteen is among my favorite artists, if not my favorite artist of all time. I'm I'm staring at a Bruce Springsteen calendar on my wall right now, so I'm pretty giddy over this one. Uh, I think it's. Gonna- Can I give you a little spoiler alert? You're gonna love it. Okay, that's exciting. Yeah, it's 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 a crowd pleaser. It's it's really good, and I I fell head over heels in love with it. And I'm not even a Bruce Springsteen fan. Mm, that's exciting. Yeah, that sounds like a really funny movie. And as I was reading the reactions on Twitter to people at Sundance, the one thing I kept thinking of, I don't know why my mind was going here, but it was like on The Office, you know, Michael Scott is always so, you know, inappropriate, not PC. 
and he keeps going up to Mindy Kaling's Kelly Kapoor and says, uh, oh, you should watch Bended Like Beckham. And I just imagine if the office were on today, <laughs> he would just be using this movie now. That's funny. <laughs> uh, Carl, what about you? Um, I'm really looking forward to all the horror coming up this year. So Robert Eggers has his follow-up to The Witch coming up. Oh, yes. Yeah, and Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, too. So Yeah, like, holy shit. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then Ari Aster also has his follow-up to Hereditary coming this year. Um, Midsummer, which there's not much info on yet, um, but it's starring Florence Puff or and Will Poulter. So um, really looking forward to that. And then, of course, Us comes out next month. Which is having its uh, premiere at uh, South by Southwest. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Yep. When is that? Uh, that is, uh, I, th- I think it's the first week in March, if my memory serves me correctly. I know it's right after the Oscars. Hmm, nice. That movie looks so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm very, very excited. I mean, uh, technically speaking, it looks like it's a step up uh, visually from what he did with Get Out, because obviously he's got a bigger budget now to play with this time around. Huh. But, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy to see that he's sticking with the horror genre, because I like that he's using genre as a way to lure audiences into the theater. And then he's, you know, giving these stories uh, with deeper subtext and commentary that you don't typically find in uh, so said genre. So I, I think that that's a very clever way to get your message across to a large audience. You know, I, I actually, I think that's really interesting because I, I thought a really big part of Get Out was the cultural aspect because that's, you know, part of the advertising, you know. Um, and I, I just I saw a lot of people that I wouldn't you know normally go seeing to the movies immediately went to get out because it became a huge cultural phenomenon. So I don't even necessarily know if it's a genre thing. I just think now Jordan Peele has the name power of the director behind Get Out. I think Us will also be a huge phenomenon. Oh, I anticipate Us is going to have like, I don't know, Michael, what do you think? 50 million, 40 million opening weekend? Oh, it's going to be big. The tickets went on sale back in December. Which is nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for a movie like this, that is kind of unheard of. So, uh, and then for me, I, I, I'm looking forward to uh, Martin Scorsese's film The Irishman. Uh, no surprise there, Martin Scorsese to me is a god. He's the greatest director that ever lived, and anything he makes uh, is a masterpiece. And it, you know, he can't do no wrong, and he's perfect, and he's Jesus, and everything else. And he and he makes movies about Jesus. So there you go. <laughs> I'm going to be seeing that movie sooner than you think, Matt, because there's I know. Netflix and Can, and I think they're going to do all in their power to try to get that over to Can. Uh, That's amazing. Which is which is amazing when you think about it because of the relationship that Can has had with Netflix over the last two years. Yeah, yeah. I could even see that like premiering in Can like early May and dropping around Memorial Day because I've heard that they want to get that out earlier rather than later this year. Which is interesting too because wouldn't you think that the, them wanting to release it earlier is a bad sign? We'll see. You know, here we have Black Panther and Get Out. Just in the last two years, they were Best Picture nominees from February. So, yeah, that's true. Also, along with that, I heard um, I heard a rumor. I think it might have been from someone you guys know that uh, the the uh, real Oscar part is uh, is Joe Pesci. Yeah, Will Mavity uh, found out something. Yeah. That's exciting. I mean, good very colors. exciting considering he's been in retirement now for the last couple of years, with the exception of a few roles here and there. So mm. I, I'm just excited to see him reteam with Scorsese. I'm excited to see Scorsese for the first time ever direct Al Pacino. Oh, yeah. And I honestly did not think that we would ever get Robert De Niro working together again with Scorsese. Yeah, I really thought that deal. once he moved on to Leo, you know, that he was done with him. So this is great. And I. I, I, I don't know. Listen, I'm projecting a little bit here. I understand that. But I feel like this could be a kind of film for these actors and for Marty um, that could serve as almost like a 
like a closing of a chapter, uh, the close, closing of the book, if you will. Yeah. You know, like, if, like you know, if there's a subtext to this, that this is about like kind of in a way like what Old Man and the Gun was kind of, I think, supposed to be before we found out that it was this light. <laughs> You know, comedy almost. It's still the greatest thing ever. I love the old man and the gun. <laughs> <laughs> but still, I'm hoping that uh, that it has that kind of. Um, I really hope it has that kind of a message to it because I think that can make it very thematically powerful, especially for such legendary careers involved. Um, all right, so what did the fans think? Uh, basically, <laughs> the write-in option won the poll. <laughs> So uh, the writing option though was scattered throughout. I mean, there was so much uh, listed here. We had Little Women. We had Knives Out. We had people putting in the woman in the window starring Amy Adams. Uh, we had Detective Pikachu, which yeah. got mentioned. Uh, Cats. Yeah. Godzilla King of Monsters. It Chapter 2. Shazam. I mean, like, options, options, options all over the place. But from the poll itself, after the writing option, uh, we had Avengers Endgame with the most votes, with 40 votes followed closely behind with 38 votes for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then in fourth place, Toy Story 4 with 13 votes. And in fifth place, The Irishman with 12 votes. So, uh, look, a lot to look forward to in 2019. Um, I got a good head start over uh, the last week or two at Sundance. And like I said, I'm not going to go into too much detail here. But suffice to say, you guys are in for uh, a couple of real treats then moving on to the uh, results for our throwback review and for last best picture. These were tied to the films uh, released in February, Alita Battle Angel, the Lego Movie Part 2, the second part, or 2, the second part, a Lego Movie 2. I have no idea what the hell that movie's called. And then How to Train Your Dragon, not 3, just How to Train Your Dragon, uh, The Hidden World. I never uh, – like why couldn't they just call it How to Train Your Dragon 3? I, I don't know. Um, maybe Michael knows why and there's some <laughs> hidden meaning. I don't know hidden meaning within the hidden world uh so for last best picture we chose three films that are tied to those three films that have been nominated or won best picture before at the oscars the choices were avatar for alita battle angel mad max fury road for the lego movie 2 the hidden part the second part sorry i'm getting my titles confused now (laughs) and then (laughs) toy story 3 uh to tie in with how to train your dragon the hidden world winning out the poll here uh, the film that we will review for February 2019. I want to get this one in before the Oscars. We will be reviewing Mad Max Fury Road. Mm, I believe it. Uh, and then also, too, heading on over. So for the throwback review, these were all films that were tied to the Lego movie uh, 2, the second part. I'm, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm getting better at saying this. Uh, the choices were 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, the Lego movie, or the Lego Ninjago movie. The Lego Batman movie is not listed because we did a podcast review for that a few years ago. Based upon what we have here, it's no surprise. The runaway winner was the Lego movie, which we are going to actually review pretty quickly. I'm going to try and see if we can squeeze that in this week. I think it's pretty fresh in everybody's minds that we can be able to get that one knocked out of the park right away uh, before the release of the second film this weekend. So stay tuned for that, everyone. And then for this week... Um, I decided to ask everyone since Sundance is on a lot of people's minds right now, which movie from the 2019 Sundance Film Festival are you most looking forward to? So, Carl, why don't we start off with you? Based upon early reactions and what you've heard, what film from Sundance are you most looking forward to watching in 2019? Um, Great question. There are so many movies that um, I feel like there's a lot of buyouts, huge buyouts this year. I think the most interesting one to me is Late Night. 
um, with Emma Thompson and Mindy Kaling. I think the concept is super interesting, and the fact that they bought it out for $13 million is kind of uh, a huge indicator of their confidence in it. Um, I also think Mindy Kaling um, really deserves a breakout um, movie, and this sounds like it could be it for her. Um, they could also try to position it Oscar-wise as the big sick um, and get Kaling her first Oscar nomination. Everything you just said is 100% true. Nice. Um, I do believe that this is the big sick or even the eighth grade, even though eighth grade didn't make it all the way uh, to an Oscar nomination. I do think that that is uh, this film uh, from this year's festival. And I think Emma Thompson will be in the hunt for a Golden Globe musical comedy for Best Actress nomination. Uh, Kaling maybe could also be right there with her. Uh, But Kaling's script uh, really, really, really uh, surprised me and was something that it's, it's like, laugh laugh a minute it just non-stop laughs but also too if a lot of commentary in a post me too world uh it also touches upon topics of ageism and also on uh social boundaries within the workplace i mean it's a really really thoughtful movie that really conveys its themes extremely extremely well so i'll be very very happy to uh see it do well i think it's going to do extremely well i think it's going to be a bigger hit than the big sick personally uh so I very much look forward to that. Yeah, because I, I think Mindy Kaling and Emma Thompson uh, have some pretty decent star power. And I think Amazon Studios is going to definitely give it a big push. I don't think they're going to do like a platform release with it and try to slowly roll it out. It doesn't It doesn't feel like that kind of movie when you watch it. That's interesting. Are, they, um, are Kaling and Thompson co-leads or is one of them kind of in this point? No, they're co-leads for sure. Do you think they'll, put, they'll category fraud Thompson into supporting? Mm, I think they'll category fraud uh, oh wow! You know what? That's a good question. I, I don't want to discuss that this early. Um, in my opinion, they're both co-leads. Ethan, what about you? Um, I'm really excited for uh, Steven Sodenberg's newest iPhone experiment, High Flying Bird. Although I think that was technically a slam dance uh, film, but it's been getting rave reviews from a bunch of people I trust. Um, and I loved Unsane. I know that was kind of a um mixed reviewed like people liked it but didn't love it film i uh, rewatched that last december absolutely adored it also quick shout out to the report because that looks awesome i want another like a uh, procedural thriller those are awesome i love them and adam driver deserves another oscar nomination so i hope we can get them there with that I can comment by saying that I did not see High Flying Bird uh, because it wasn't Slam Dance. However, I am looking forward to it as well based upon the reactions. I did see the report. And in my opinion, even though I don't think the movie is all that great on the level of, say, something like a Zero Dark Dirty or a, or a uh, Spotlight, mm-hmm. um, I do think that this is Adam Driver's best performance. That's exciting. How about Annette Bening? Uh, Annette Bening is Annette Bening. It's not one of her best. I don't think she will get any awards traction for this. Um, I think that this is a screenplay driver or bust movie. Um, as far as like adults, procedural, uh, you know, political drama thrillers, whatever you whatever you want to call it, go. Uh, this is pretty good. I don't. I just don't think it's at that level of greatness. But I. I but I have to say, I, this is the most impressed I've ever been by Adam Driver before. That's exciting. He has some uh, monologues in the movie that are just very, like, they demand your attention. He sells it very, very well. That's great, because I, I adored him in Black Klansman. Uh, he gives one of my favorite performances of the year there. Oh, uh, so you're the reason he got nominated. No, yeah. I'm kidding. I watched that movie <laughs> again recently. Yeah. I watched I Black Klansman again. He really is quite good, and I found him much better the second time around than I did the first. And I didn't dislike him the yeah. first time. I just found more <laughs> to like in that performance watching it again. I think what it was was when I saw it back in August – I just thought it was such a 
subdued performance and I kind of just kept it in the back of my mind thinking that other more flashy performances were going to, you know, come along and maybe push him out. Uh, but that performance has managed to hold on, you know, throughout the rest of the year. And I think that because I've only seen it the one time, that's why I still have like that mentality. So I'm with you there, Michael. I, I got to give Black Landsman a second watch. Oh, I know I have to. Oh yeah, it's in my top five for the year. I, I love it so much. Yeah, it's it's in my top 20, but it, it just, it, I don't know. I should I probably should have rewatched it. It shot but up either way. second time from like, I think I did like 25 and then it shot up to like number eight. Wow, it's, damn. It's really great. That's fantastic. So, um, you and me, Matt, we disagree a lot about supporting actor. Then, if you're not there for uh, Adam, no, uh, I, I, I mean, like, I'm there for him in the sense that <laughs> I, I want to support his career, and I think that he's earned it from a career standpoint. I just, I would like to have seen Michael B. Jordan get in there, or I don't know, man. You know, with Daniel Kaluuya again. Yeah, Daniel I don't Kaluuya know. Would have been great. But either way, I digress. Russell Hornsby. Russell Hornsby. Oh, I've seen well. that. I got it. <sighs> It's, I think it's out on Blu-ray now. I think yeah, you can like totally watch it. All right, Josh Parm, <laughs> what about you? What are you looking forward to from Sundance? Well, I mean, there were a ton of uh, great notices out of Sundance. It almost seemed like at one point nearly every movie everybody saw, people had positive things to say. Uh, but if I had to pick one, I think it would be – I don't know how do you pronounce it. Is it Loose or Lucy? It's Loose. Loose. Uh, just the positive word out of that one just seemed to really pique my interest. And especially with people singling out those performances. And that's the one that I think out of everything that I've been hearing about is the one that I'm really curious to check out. Cause I know Matt, you particularly like really loved it. So I'm, I'm very eager to see that one. It was my favorite film of the festival. It was my favorite ensemble of the festival. It's my favorite screenplay from the festival. And Kelvin Harrison Jr. and Octavia Spencer deliver career best performances. I would not be upset in the slightest if Octavia Spencer won a second Oscar for this movie. Oh, I think she's already been on path for a second Oscar for some time now. And this is just the performance they're waiting for. From the sound of I it. mean, it is a stunner uh, what she does in this. And the the screenplay completely rocked my world. It is such a thought-provoking, very meticulously constructed screenplay. And it's not like it, – it, it's just a family drama. It, it like kind of harkens back to those really well written like family dramas from like the '90s that would get like nominated for uh, your best picture, best director, but they weren't like your, you know, flashy directorial films. You know what I mean? You know what I, you know what I'm like talking about? Like the Sweet uh, Hereafter or something like that. You know what I mean? Like Hannah or Sisters, maybe. Or in the bedroom. Got you. Oh my god, you're just selling me even more, Matt. <laughs> it's so 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 riveting. I, I I can't even begin to tell you. Naomi Watts, I mean, she's always great, but this is like the best I've seen her in a very long time. Um I, I, I had a little bit of an issue with Tim Roth in the movie. I thought that his character his character reminded me too much of like Gabriel Byrne and Hereditary a little bit, in that he's kinda like the the dad that's just kinda like, you know, kind of whatever about everything and just does just kinda wants to stay out of things until he does get involved. But I mean I don't know. A bunch of people told me that they thought he was terrific. So maybe it's just me. Either way, though, Josh, yes, be excited. Like, be excited. This movie is, oh, this movie is something else. <laughs> uh, that, that's great because I'm also a huge Tim Roth fan too. So I'm, I look forward to seeing movies with him in it too. Absolutely, Michael. What about you? Well, this is actually pretty funny because I had my top three all ready to go, and they were all just named. My top three most anticipated after Sundance were The Report, Loose, and Late Night. So I'm going through the list now. Yeah, so the, I'm glad everyone's on the same page here. So I guess I'll just name my number fourth most anticipated, and that's actually Clemency with Alfre Woodard. 
Mm. I am a very big Alfred Woodard fan. I think she's a tremendous actress who doesn't always get her due. So when she gets that role that puts her in the spotlight, everyone rightly praises her and her amazing career. And here it sounds like she has an opportunity to return to the Oscars for the first time in well over 30 years. I can tell you right now that there was a concentrated push at the festival from the publicists and just word you could hear coming from the ground of they're going to definitely try to position this as an awards contender for her. I hope so. She's always been great. And even her cameo that she had, I don't know if you call it a cameo, maybe it actually bordered on a supporting role. In 12 Years a Slave, a couple years back, that was really mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, that was a really great uh, example of somebody coming in, only having like one scene, but being so impactful. So yeah, she's absolutely wonderful in everything she does. And I'm also very eager to see her come back in something that could put her in the Oscar spotlight again. And one thing that really surprised me about this movie um because I expected Woodard to be fantastic, but I was not expecting Aldous Hodge, who is the supporting performer in this movie. He is the one who plays the uh, the inmate on death row that she's having um, moral dilemmas about executing because she's the warden of the prison. He was unbelievable as well. The two of them are just great. Yeah, well, there's no distributor for this yet. but I know, like, yeah. yeah. Maybe a Fox Searchlight or a Sony Pictures Classics picks it up then maybe both of them could be in the conversation. I hope so. I mean, it did just win the Grand Jury Prize last night for uh, dramatic uh, you know, competition. So I'm hoping that that gives it you know, the push that it needs to get picked up. I'm a little surprised that it has not already because of the buzz attributed to those performances in it. But we'll have to wait and see what happens there. So head on over to the Pulse page. Let us know which films from this 2019 Sundance Film Festival you are looking forward to seeing this year. Hello, everyone. This is JD from the In Session Film Podcast. Each week, we review the latest from Hollywood, California. Well, yes, Brendan. We also give top three lists. Okay. Yeah. Thanks again, Brendan. Additionally, you can hear us talk other movie news, trailers, varying movie series, or other interesting film related topics, and even rants and raves of the week. That's correct, Brendan. On top of our main show, every Friday, you can also hear our extra film podcasts. Good job, Brendan. Thank you, JD. It's my goal to make you proud. You're the father after all. (laughs) Yes. And I'm very proud. Uh, you can listen to the In Session Film podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or at InSessionFilm.com. Brendan, will you please let me complete just one? Nope. Oh, for heaven's sake. Listen to the In Session Film podcast every Monday and Friday. Subscribe today and hear me verbally beat JD like a Cherokee drum. No, 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 no. That's not kidding? how this works, sir. Hey, no, you, you, no, no, you no. go cry at Midnight Special again, oh, okay? okay? That's what you're I, I good will. for. I will. You know what? And I'll do it while pummeling you. I'll do both at the same time. How are you going to pummel me? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't buy works. that. That's just how <laughs> it works. And now we are going to talk about the guild. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go through this very quickly. Screen Actors Guild, Best Stunt Ensemble, went to Black Panther. Best Supporting Actor went to Mahershala Ali. Best Supporting Actress, Emily Blunt. Best Actor went to Rami Malek. Best Actress, Glenn Close. And Best Ensemble, Black Panther. Oof. Lots to discuss here. Why don't we actually start off first and foremost with uh, the film that won two awards on the evening, and that was Black Panther, winning Stunt Ensemble and Best Ensemble. What are we to make of this? That it's a beloved movie with a terrific ensemble, and it deserved deserved to win. Well... (laughs) <laughs> so uh, well, okay, that's fair. Um, here's here's something that somebody brought up recently. I don't remember. I don't remember who it was, but uh, the last time that PGA and DGA split uh, was in 2015, where we had the Revenant won DGA, the Big Short won PGA, Spotlight won the SAG, 
And we know that the SAG winner ended up going on to win Best Picture in the end, and that was Spotlight. So with Black Panther kind of making a push in certain categories, score, production design, costume design, maybe a sound, um, does there stand a reasonable chance that Black Panther could be uh, the dark horse, if you will, in this Best Picture uh, race right now? If we were still using the old voting system for Best Picture, or the normal system that they use for other categories, I actually think Black Panther would be winning Best Picture. But on a preferential ballot, I don't think it's able to make it to the consensus. Well, I would still even question that. I mean, I think that Black Panther obviously is very popular, but you also have to remember this is a movie that has no nominations for directing, writing, or acting. So... It's a popular movie, but I think that support is very limited in how much people are willing to push it. And yeah, the actors are very much behind the the members of that ensemble, but I still feel like this is a movie that is going to do well below the line, but is going to struggle either way uh, to win Best Picture. Mahershal Ali on his way to win his second Academy Award. Uh, He has swept so far Critics' Choice, Golden Globe, and now SAG. Uh, Does anyone here think he's also going to win the BAFTA? BAFTA? Sorry, I'm getting better at this. Does anyone think he's going to win the BAFTA, or does anyone think that uh, someone else might take it? I think he is winning BAFTA. Yeah, especially with the Best Picture nomination. Um, I could see Grant winning the BAFTA, but probably going to be Ali, especially since he lost for Moonlight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that was interesting because I remember watching the Golden Globes and seeing him win, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is his first win. Aaron Taylor Johnson won in 2017. I know, it's yeah. crazy. <laughs> um, I remember that evening. But, like, I don't know. I, I, I'm I fine with him winning again. It just, um, I think I, 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 I dislike Green Book to a certain extent, and I think he's the only good part of it. I still don't think he gives, like, the best performance out of that category. But um, I, I hope... I hope he could make it in. I really do, because um, I think he can. I mean, he's got all of the support so far. And although it's been, like, a little wonky this year, we had, like, that Sam Rockwell throw-in. Um, I, th- I think he can make it all the way there. It's it's basically a lock. Now, the main question I have about this, though, uh, do we want to entertain the idea that if Richard E. Grant does win the BAFTA, Please. that it could be an Alan Arkin situation where – Alan Arkin won a few Critics Awards, and he only won the BAFTA. He did not win the other three. Well, but but Alan Arkin was also in a Best Picture nominee that won screenplay. Okay, Alan Arkin. No, no. I mean, listen. All I mean, I I knew you were all going to say this. I just want to entertain the possibility. So I mean, but you guys are definitely set that even if he does win, it's it's Ali's to lose. Yeah, yeah I, I think that is just too much momentum in Ali's corner right now. Okay. I mean, Although Grant is really working the circuit. He's yeah. pulled up, pulling off his own Melissa Leo-style campaign on social media, so who knows? Well, and I just love him. He's he's so pleasant. He seems so nice. His performance is like my favorite of the year last year, and it's also one of my favorite movies of the year by far. Um, I just hope he can do it, because Mahershala has already won, and I like him quite a bit in the movie, but I really hope Richard E. Grant can take the win. Did, did you all see his uh, Twitter post this week about Barbara Streisand? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was wonderful. Emily Blunt, SAG winner, A Quiet Place. Love it, love it, love it. Love it. And, and Matt, I 
bow to you because you called that. Yeah, I have to admit, Josh, I'm not going to lie. I was I was just as surprised as you were because <laughs> mostly because no good thing ever happens to me usually with predictions like that. And that was one where it's just like, you know what? On a whim, I was like, I'm going to pick Emily Blunt to win. Why not? They're, you know, <laughs> the, the favorite ladies will cancel each other out. No one really cares about Mary Queen of Scots and Amy Adams and Vice. I mean, listen, I, I want to see Amy Adams win an Oscar. I really, really do. Don't we all? This is just un- this is just not, not the right movie. movie. It's not the right performance. It's just not the right time. It's unfortunate, and I know that you know people can make the argument you know about Glenn Close. Maybe it's not the right movie. Maybe it's not the right performance. Maybe it's not the right time. The difference is is that with her, it is the right time. Adams, I think, still has time on her side. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to give it to her in her 70s like Glenn Close necessarily. Although that is a possibility and could happen. Don't get me wrong. I just. There doesn't seem to be uh, the push for her like we all expected with Sharp Objects. I mean, she has not uh, done nearly as well at award shows this year as any of us hoped that she would. So I would say that she needed this. And the fact that she didn't get it uh, only further uh, pushes Regina King's chances now. Um, It's all riding on who's going to win the BAFTA at this point. Because I have to say, if Amy Adams does win the BAFTA, that that could that could definitely be something still. Mm-hmm. Well, it looks like Rachel Weisz is going to win the BAFTA because she's yet to win. Right. And they obviously love the favorite. So there was that great piece on Gold Derby this past week that was comparing this supporting actress race to supporting actor from 2015. Right. Where Stallone was the Regina King missing BAFTA and SAG. And then the BAFTA winner ended up winning the Oscar. So Mark Rylance won there. And then you have... Regina King, or I'm sorry, Rachel Weisz, possibly becoming that winner at the Oscars. Which like, matters even more interesting here is that the SAG winner both times were not Oscar nominated. I'm just curious: is anybody uh, choosing anyone else to win Best Supporting Actress right now, other than Regina King? Uh, I'm hesitant because, like, I'm, I'm doing, I'm putting money on it in real life, and I'm, I'm really hesitant. To, <laughs> I'm really hesitant to put in my form yet because, like, I'm, I'm, I'm quite scared because uh, I, I really think because, because you know, um. About Emily Blunt one, I think that kind of blew open the category. I saw someone on Twitter saying, I have no idea who's going to win. I mean, the only person I could like firmly say I don't think it's going to be is probably Emma Stone or uh, Marina from Roma. Um, speaking of which, I watched that, I, I rewatched that yesterday. I don't, I love Roma. I don't necessarily understand why she got in, but anyway. I, 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 under, I understand it, and, and I do think it is residual love for the movie also. At, uh, and, you know, they did do a good campaign for both ladies, so I get it. Mm. What I don't get is I don't buy this whole uh, – they don't really like if Beale Street could talk. They really love Roma. They're going to give Marina the win. The, like I, I, I'm not, I'm not buying that. It. I really can't see and the reason, Well, the reason why I can't, I can't see it is because I have a very hard time – rationalizing why she wins and Yalitzia does not. Yalitzia Close is right there. I understand. No, no, no. I, I, no, and I understand that completely. It, it's just one of those things that like in retrospect, like years from now, I would look back at that and I'd be like, that's weird. You know what I mean? Like, and I just, mm-hmm. something about that well, in, in, in just, something about that just doesn't sit right. Because I also think Marina is probably the weakest performance out of all the categories. And even, even if we wow. count. No, no, not all the categories. That advice? category. Not 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 all the categories, although I have a I have a very secret confession. 
I love Sam Rockwell. Oh, get off the show Rockwell. now. Oh, oh, you cretin. I'm a, Jesus. I'm a, dude, I was so psyched when he won for three billboards. I, um, oh, yeah, no, I was too. I was not psyched that he got nominated for this one, but I was psyched about three billboards for sure. I was very happy he got nominated for Vice. I thought he was very fun in that movie. Oh, I'm, anyway. I'm happy you were happy. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, I think she's the weakest out of the supporting actress category, and I think she just has not a substantial enough role, truthfully. I mean, when, I, when I'm looking back on the movie in my head, the only thing I can remember is her very short uh, monologue about how women are always on their own. I don't think she even has, like, a moment. You know, she's just sort of there, and she puts in good work. I just think everyone else in the category puts in much stronger work, and I think that'll be enough to sway it away. For me, I think about the restaurant scene at the table and when she comes out of the bedroom and the son's outside the door. Yeah, yeah. Her husband's leaving and that uh, the beach. marching band is coming down. I, I think she's got a really good amount of scenes that showcase a, a, a great kind of subtle work from her. And to just talk about how I think that there is a possibility that she could win, I think what's working for her is that she, like the only real negatives I think you could throw in her uh, in her case is just that she doesn't have a lot of precursors to her name. She had none. Everybody else does. Yeah, exactly. She has none. But, you know, Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz, they could split the vote from each other. Nobody really has passion for Amy Adams, it feels like. Regina King does have support, but her movie underperforms, so we don't really know how much support is really there. If Roma's going to be in a really strong position to win Best Picture... And it feels like taking in acting and when acting went along with it, that might be a place where all this support is so spread out that she could sneak in there. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think that is a more realistic possibility than people realize. I agree with everything you just said there. Um, I, too, am not predicting it because, like I said, I, I, it just doesn't feel right. Something about my gut instinct just tells me it doesn't feel right. But uh, everything that you just said, Josh, 100% true. And that would be the reason why she would win if it did happen. Uh, best Actress, Glenn Close, congratulations on your Oscar win. It's long overdue. Uh, she's going to win the uh, BAFTA. She's going to win the Indie Spirit. It's going to be fantastic. And let's just appreciate it while it lasts. Wait, 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 wait. Back up a second. Let me think about Indie Spirit. Do you, are you sh- wasn't Glenn, Glenn Close, wasn't Tony Collette nominated? It's going to go to Glenn. Come on. Yeah. Okay, but it's indie spirit. Think about it first. I, I know. I know. I have seen your tweets this entire year. I have seen your tweets. Everyone in the indie community loves Tony Collette so much in that movie, including me, including you, including everyone in this call, I hope. Um, I definitely think that Close has a chance there, although we're not really talking about indie spirit awards, but I definitely think Close has a chance there. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I think she. I, I think she's running away with the whole thing at this point. <laughs> yeah, I also okay. kind of feel like when you talk about indie spirits, you sort of have to kind of go with where the front runner is in general by that point. And it wouldn't shock me if Tony Collette could win, but I think at this point, people just sort of have it in their minds that they're going to just vote for Glenn Close. I think it's because every time Close has won, we've all looked at her on that podium with that award and just been so happy regardless of what you think of the movie you know or anything really we're just happy to see glenn close up there giving a speech and she seems to be enjoying it as well and i think people just want to keep on reliving that moment so 
you know it's a moment I don't want to keep reliving. Reliving. I don't want to keep reliving watching Rami Malek win Best Actor for Bohemian <laughs> Rhapsody. <laughs> Prepare for that next week too. Yeah, let's all uh, you know say a prayer for Bradley Cooper. Um, I don't know how we got here, <laughs> other than to say that he was the early front runner throughout the pretty much almost the entire season until Rami Malek won. Uh, what Golden Globe, pretty much, and then it's like I, I, I don't know, I don't know what went wrong with. Uh, I mean, I, I have an idea what went wrong with Cooper and his campaign, um, but I don't want to, you know, come off as pretentious and like I know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> I heard they pushed a lot for director, and I think that might have been the problem because I definitely know they wanted yeah. to get him into director. He pushed himself and, for director. <laughs> I know, but he should have pushed himself for actor because it's an incredible performance. And while this is his first time doing director, he didn't even get in for director. I know now he's like focusing on actor and all. Um, but I saw him yesterday at the Directors Guild Awards uh, talk, which has been pretty memed. We can talk about that later. Um, but I definitely think he should just be focusing 100% on actor right now. If he can turn it around, which I don't think he can, but he should just be focusing, campaigning, because that performance is incredible. It's one of my favorites of the year. I just, I think, I really think he needs to win this if he because, like, you know, Bradley Cooper wants an Oscar. My girlfriend's mom just said he's like, oh, isn't that the guy who wants an Oscar? Like, <laughs> Like like two days ago. That's funny. I think I think he should have made it in. Um, I think he should have made it in for the Golden Globes, but I definitely think he just needs to focus on it. I think he should have focused on it in the first place because it's a great performance. Now I'm going to do the same game I just played a minute ago here. Let's let's do some hypotheticals, okay? Malik now okay. has Golden Globe and SAG. Christian Bale has uh, Critics' Choice. Golden Globe. Who is winning BAFTA? Malik. Yeah, Malik in a heartbeat. Uh, so, so okay. Oh, well. So, well, hold on, wait, wait. So, I, I agree. I think Malik is here to win it at this point. However, mm-hmm. however, I, I know if, where you're going with it. No, 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 I'm just saying though. No, if Bale does win, Bale's a Brit. Okay, because yeah, Bale. Yeah, no, exactly. Because he's he's never won a BAFTA before. He is a Brit. They like Vice. Yeah. Uh, are okay. So then, are we going to heading into Oscar night? What are we going to do there in terms of the prediction? Because they each got two big awards then. I'm going to throw up my hands and scream. Um, <laughs> no, I, I have no idea uh, there. But I think I'd probably end up going with Rami because there's so much support for Bohemian Rhapsody, and I don't I don't get it for the life of me. But there's so much running behind him, and then audiences loved him. People think he did a good job. I, I don't. Um, I think he did a fine job. But I, I think he can make it in. I think he's going to win, sadly. Yeah, I think that even if Christian Bale won the BAFTA, which I don't think is going to happen, but even if he did, you could sort of explain that away a little bit in saying he's never won before, he's a hometown favorite, and Rami Malek, I mean, every time Rami Malek walks into a room, the crowd just seems to really love him. Like, they give him standing ovations at every single Q&A, it seems like, and while for me the passion behind that movie it just is not for me it clearly is there and it's clearly there specifically for him so i still think that he is way out front to win this can't willem dafoe just win please (laughs) i wish i mean Uh, that's another movie i don't really like that much but i would prefer him to win over rami malik (laughs) i love that movie i like him a lot in it that'd be great that'd be nice Continuing with the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody uh, love fest here, moving over to AC Eddie Awards, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody won for Best Edited Feature Film Dramatic, which was very surprising to 
a lot of us, not to Josh Parm. Yep, not to Josh Parm, who has been predicting it now for a few weeks. But like, you guys also saw that video that went viral on uh, Twitter of the edited scene in Bohemian Rhapsody and just how awful, like, and choppy the editing is. Like, I understand this whole argument that John Ottman saved the movie in the editing process uh, when they had the director switch and everything, and I get that, but. I don't know. I'm just having a hard time wrapping my mind around this, uh, you know, because like Malik, Malik is enough, you know, for me to swallow. But now you're telling me I also got to take the fact that Bohemian <laughs> could also win editing, sound mixing, God knows what else. Are we heading for Best Picture? What is going on here? No, I think it's. I don't even think it's going to win the film editing Oscar, even though it won here at Ace. Yeah, but who is? I think Vice is going to take it. Ah, the I have a feeling it's going to be Vice too. Yeah. I think Vice needed to win Ace for me to buy that argument, though. Which which then leads into uh, best edited feature film comedy. Surprisingly, did not go to Vice. It went to The Favorite. That was very surprising, but also very welcome Good. because I think the editing in The Favorite is much superior than sure. that of Vice. I mean, I've heard from a lot of people, obviously not in the industry, but a lot of people hate Vice's editing. Oh, I hated it, but I think it's really above and beyond what – not above and beyond. It's you know the, the most editing, right? And that usually editing goes to win. Good editing, right? Most it's is not even good, but they seem to love the movie. And then maybe that's maybe that's the case here. Maybe it's one of those things where all these nominees are worthy to win, and it's all just coming down to which movie did they like more. So I, I would like to, I'd like to look at this. You know, if I'm trying to find a positive silver lining here, I'd like to look at this as the industry likes the favorite. <laughs> at least the editors do, which is a, a, you know just a good sign because I want the favorite to do well. I'm having really, really, really scary, horrifying uh, dreams about the favorite going 0 for 10 at the Oscars. The same way American Hustle, Gangs of New York, and True uh, Grit did recently. So any sign of show of support for the favorite from any of these guilds is welcome to me, and I'm 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 all, I'm all here for. It. Uh, and then moving over to the Art Directors Guild, uh, the Love Fest for the Favorite continued, where it won for Best Period Film, Fantasy Film, Black Panther, and for Contemporary Film, Crazy Rich Asians. Which should have gotten in. Yeah. Yeah. It's upsetting that Crazy Rich Asians does not have a single nomination. But between Black Panther and the Favorite, uh, no favors. I, I would say we need to look at BAFTA, but the problem there is that Black Panther is not nominated. Which yeah. is nuts. That is absolutely nuts that Black Panther is not nominated for production design at BAFTA. So the favorite's clearly going to win BAFTA. And at that point, uh, I mean, they both won the Guild. Black Panther has Critics' Choice. Favorite's got BAFTA. And in terms of, you know, if you want to just go by then, you know, just the numbers here, critic citations throughout the season, uh, the Favorites won nine Critics' Groups Awards. Black Panther's won seven. I mean, this is one of the toughest categories to call on, on Oscar night, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, you just basically have to go with your gut instinct of which one you think is going to win. Because I think both of them stand an equal shot at at getting this. I personally think that it's going to be Black Panther, but it could easily go to the favorite. I'd like to see the favorite. I think it's going to be Black Panther. Uh, one thing that we are um, much more sure of, uh, the Annie Awards were held uh, this weekend as well. And Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse cleaned house. It's swept Every award it was nominated for and won them all, including Best Animated Feature. Guys, I mean, Exciting. are we at a point where we can finally say the L word for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, considering the way it's been received by the industry? No, I still think Incredibles 2 is winning. Whoa, there it is. Okay, Michael, what is it? Is it the Disney Mafia? Yes, like, it's the Disney Mafia. <laughs> it's the fact that 
We've seen that the Oscars have been a little cold toward Lord and Miller. I think it's great that this got the nomination. It's definitely a step in the right direction. But when you have the Academy as a whole voting here, remember, Annie Awards, it's great that they rewarded Spider-Man. But when you had all these Academy members from different walks of life and different demographics voting, I think it's all these Disney people within the acting branches and all the executives and all across. I think that's going to put Incredibles over the top. Ah, <sighs> bad. And they're both great movies. Do... Let's not act like the Incredibles 2 is like some mediocre piece of work. I think it's going to... I could argue that. Pixar <laughs> doesn't, doesn't tend to do well with their sequels in this category either, though. But when you look at those sequels, you know, you have things like Monsters University doesn't get nominated. The Cars 2 and 3 movies don't get nominated. Finding Dory doesn't get nominated. But here's one that I think is a step above those, so it does get the nomination. And I think the fact that it's in is going to put it over the top. That's just the power of Brad Bird. Speaking of uh, power of directors, DGA Awards were held last night. They were long, as always. Yeah, they always are. Uh, Best Documentary Directing went to uh, Tim Wardle for Three Identical Strangers, which I I was super ecstatic about, um, considering I felt like that film was snubbed at the Oscars. I thought that it was a very good movie, but I think the the concept of it, like the story itself, is more interesting than the filmmaking, so I'm surprised he won. Well, I think it was maybe for the reenactments that they did, maybe. Was Free Solo nominated? It was. Mm-hmm. And it lost to that? Yep. I got wow. nothing out of Three Identical Strangers, so uh, happy for it that it won, but I, I would have definitely went with Hale County, which I saw a little while back. I was watched Three Identical Strangers the second time this past week, and I same. felt the same way, that the story was more interesting than the filmmaking. Oh, yeah. Uh, best first-time director. Went to uh, Bradley Cooper for a start. Wait, wait, what? What? Oh my God! What happened, guys? Bo fucking Burnham. Oh man! I'm very happy. Woo! That. That's cool. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I mean, awesome. It was that was like seriously. I, I, I for me, just for me personally speaking, I am so happy for Bo Burnham. So happy. I've been following his kids since he was 16 years old on YouTube. I love him. And to see where he is today is such a cool feeling. On the other hand, I have mixed emotions because I was hoping this was going to be Bradley Cooper's consolation prize, considering he's not even nominated for the Oscar for Best Director. And it once again, further along this like, is there a conspiracy? Is there a curse? Did he murder someone? Like, what is going on with Cooper in this uh, second half of the award season? It's just like, yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> it well, I'll tell you what happened. Range. As a Philadelphia resident who loves Silver Linings Playbook, I forgot to set the remotes in the exact direction, like Pat Senior. Oh, get out of here with that talk. <laughs> I forgot to do everything I was supposed to do, and that's why everything is so off track this season. But listen, it's not like it went to someone that was undeserving or anything like that. I mean, true. That was a good category. It, yeah. Everybody in that category would have been a deserving winner. And, you know, it, it is sort of strange how this season just seems to be so allergic to Bradley Cooper <laughs> for some odd reason, but. To see Bo Burnham up there for such a really special movie, to see him win an award like that, I I was just so ecstatic about it. Yeah. It, it's interesting because I think that Eighth Grade is the better film, but I preferred Bradley Cooper's direction just by a slight, slight margin. I, I Michael, I completely agree with you, actually. I'm right there with you. So, uh, I mean, I'm very happy for Bo Burnham, though. I think he was like my number six this year. Chris Tapley actually had a great tweet. He said, ain't it hard being so hardcore directors? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this also makes Bradley Cooper the first uh, 
first nominee since the first time DGA category was introduced to be nominated in both categories and lose one. Uh, lose both. Sorry, lose both of them. Oh, he's setting his own no one, No one's ever lost both if they were nominated for both. Who was the one person, because this has only been around for four years, who won the just first-time director but wasn't nominated? I'm trying to remember. But was it nominated? Wait, wait, wait. wait. What do you mean? Okay, because this has only been around. For feature. Yeah, this has only been around for four years, right, or so? Four or five, yeah. I um, and I know Garth Davis. And was nominated both, yep. Um, Jordan Peele. Okay, who's the other guy? Then? Alex Garland. No, Alex Garland uh, was not nominated for the main category, though. No, that's what we're saying. We're saying who won. Uh, oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Thank you. All right. And then uh, the big one. Uh, once again, a little bit of mixed emotions from me on this, uh, but I'm still happy regardless. Uh, I went to Alfonso Cuaron for Roma. I think if it had gone to Peter Farrelly for Green Book, I'd be afraid. But uh, I was rooting for Spike. I was rooting for Spike because I – Quaron has already won, and Spike is right there and makes so much sense as the person to be the first ever black director winner at the Oscars. And I think I think his work is worthy. I think the film is worthy. But the industry seems pretty set on Roma, which is great. Roma is a masterpiece. I do not, do not, do not argue against that within the slightest I think it's so worthy of every single award that it can possibly be given. But I, I just I, – I think there – I don't know. I, I kind of was hoping for this split with Spike winning director uh, and, you know, Roma taking picture. But, you know, hey, at this point, um, PGA winner Green Book, DGA winner Roma. It's a race between these two, I think, at this point, especially with uh, Green Book looking to take Ali and screenplay along with it. Roma has the chance to take uh, Quaron, cinematography, foreign language film. It's it's this is it. Can you believe it's come down to these two films at this point? Now, unless if Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, you know, oh well, Bohemian Rhapsody isn't nominated for BAFTA. Never mind, I take that back. Are we not still running the narrative that Black Klansman could have won? Because I know Matt, you were very very. Or could have I needed, anything. I needed Spike to win. DGA, I needed the film to win PGA. I needed something. The fact that it only stands a chance now to win WGA and it isn't even nominated for USC Scripter, um, it's it, it's shaky now at this point. Well, we still win something adapted screenplay. Yeah, Spike Lee's first Oscar, but you know it's it's something. Yeah. Any other comments on the guilds before I announce the nominations for the MPP Film Community Awards? The guilds are split. That's what I have to say about it. Yes, they are. Roma's winning Best Picture. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, God, I hope you're right. Me too. I'll tell you this much. If Roma wins at BAFTA, I- I'm ready to call it a done deal. Mm, I wouldn't call it a done deal. but Oh, I'm s- oh come on. Is. You don't think so? Uh, I, well, you know what, Matt? I year. do think Roma is going to win at BAFTA, but BAFTA does not use a preferential ballot. And so far, the only movie that's won on a preferential ballot is Green Book. And that means something. I suppose, but I don't know. I mean... I would say this, Matt. I, Roma winning WGA would give me more confidence than Roma winning BAFTA. That's fair. Okay. I'll go with you on that. But I, I just keep going back to this whole – like, because also Green Book doesn't have the director nomination either, which I think also has to be taken into consideration. No? But but everybody here was saying, oh, that movie's never getting nominated for director anyway. You know? Yeah. I, I, I don't – I think it not having a directing nomination is kind of a non-factor for that movie. Yeah. Let's think about three billboards. Yeah. I mean, well, but then again, Shape of Water had more momentum winning both PGA and DGA. This is, 
I don't know. I'm going to have to dive deep into next week. I'll come back with some stats, some numbers. Obviously, I didn't have time after I got off my flight this morning to kind of prepare and get all this together for you all. But I'm sure there's some stats out there in terms of split years with PGA and DGA that we can look at and, you know, maybe draw up some percentages that can maybe help us out a little bit. I'm not sure, you know. Like I said, I'm a stats guy. Sometimes I'm a gut instinct guy. It goes back and forth. Hey, everyone. I'm Aaron. And I'm Patrick. And together we host the Feelin' Film Podcast, a show that focuses more on the emotional takeaway from a movie experience rather than its technical merit. Yes, sir. Talking about what we love about film and focusing less on the critical side of things makes for a very entertaining and enjoyable discussion. New episodes drop every Monday morning. And you can catch them on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many other podcasting networks. You can also find out more about the show at feelinfilm.com. In the meantime, as we say on the show, stay positive and keep feeling film. The 2018 MVP Film Awards ballot for the community voted on by all of you, the great fans of nextbestpicture.com. We're going to start off from the bottom, work our way up to the top. We're starting off with Best Overlooked Film of 2018. The nominees are American Animals, Blind Spotting, Leave No Trace, Private Life, and Searching. All great movies. All great. Especially American Animals. Love that. Leave No Trace. For Best Sci-Fi and Horror Film, the nominees are Annihilation, Hereditary, Mandy, A Quiet Place, and Suspiria. I like all those movies. No Jungle Book, Matt? No Jungle Book this year, Michael. No Mowgli either. (laughs) Oh, my God. I will never, ever forget that as long Uh, as I live. Epic moment for the podcast. (laughs) Best comedy film, Crazy Rich Asians, Eighth Grade, The Favorite, Game Night, and Sorry to Bother You. Awesome. Great shout out to Game Night. Yeah, Game Night deserves a lot. Really good movie. For best action film, Avengers Infinity War, Black Panther, Mission Impossible Fallout, Spider-Man Into the (laughs) Spider-Verse, and Widows. Widows. Can Widows please win? Can Widows win something? Just something. (laughs) For Best Visual Effects, nominees are Annihilation, Avengers Infinity War, Black Panther, First Man, and Ready Player One. Ready Player One. Not a fan? Least favorite of the year. Oof. Wow. Yeah. Well, for the movie or for the effects, too? The effects are fine. The effects are fine. I'll give it that. I just, I was sad to, to hear Oscar-nominated Ready Player One. That was a little... Was yeah, a, but I mean, for the visual effects, I think they're pretty good. I, I don't hate the movie. I think the movie's just okay, but I think the visual effects are pretty stunning in it. I'm just happy that Annihilation got some love, honestly, from the community, because that's a oh, film yeah. that got overlooked this year completely. Uh, best sound mixing. Nominees are First Man. Mission Impossible Fallout, A Quiet Place, Roma, and A Star is Born. Okay, our community better keep up this love for First Man, because I'm liking this so far. Yeah, it's good. Best Sound Editing, Black Panther, First Man, Mission Impossible Fallout, A Quiet Place, and Roma. Is it the same category? Uh, Well, sound editing and sound mixing, they uh, swapped out. Uh, for sound mixing, they took out uh, A Star is Born and replaced it with Black Panther and sound editing. Got it. So four out of five matchup? Yep. Uh, for best original song, nominees are All the Stars from Black Panther, Always Remember Us This Way from A Star is Born, I'll Never Love Again from A Star is Born. Is it just A Star is Born? 
<laughs> Shallow from A Star is Born. And Suspirium from Suspiria. Wow, okay. So there was this little movie called Mary Poppins Returns that I think had a couple of songs. <laughs> I Michael, I, I had a feeling I was like when I when I calculated all of this, I was like, oh Michael's not gonna like this. <laughs> Clearly a lot of the votes went to a star is born. Um there were votes for Mary Poppins. There were votes. The the one that came the closest I, I was uh Triple O Life Fantastic came very, very close. It's you pretty know, funny because when we were doing our own ballots for the Next Best Picture team, we were filling them out with our favorites of the year, and mine was all Mary Poppins. There wasn't any Star is Born, any <laughs> RPG, any, anything else. It's just all Mary Poppins. I was hoping maybe it's time would get in there because that's actually probably my second favorite Star is Born song. I don't show. even know if that got uh, – it got some nominations, but uh, you know, some votes rather, but not enough at I all. That, I think that was me. Um, that, that song's written by Jason Isbell, who's like my favorite country artist ever. He's, he's just this great dude. And, and, and I was, cause that song charted on like the hot 100, the billboard charts. And I was like, awesome. Jason Isbell has a charting song. It was kind of cool. For best original score, the nominees are black Klansman, black Panther, first man, yes. if Beale street could talk and Isle of dogs. This is what the Oscars should have been. I, I, yeah, ha- not having first man at the Oscars is like, oh, I don't, I don't even know. Best production design nominees are Black Panther, The Favorite, First Man, Mary Poppins Returns. There it is, Michael, and Roma. Is that the Oscar five? No, Ballabuster Scruggs, right? No, for produ- no, 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 yeah, that's costume design. So yeah, I think this is the Oscar five. Uh, for best makeup and hairstyling, we have five nominees here. Academy, as, get your game together. As the Oscars should, yes. Exactly. Nominees are Black Panther, The Favorite, Mary Queen of Scots, Suspiria, and Vice. I don't know why Suspiria wasn't nominated. <sighs> horror, horror genre. But didn't they like focus all of their campaigning efforts towards that? Like that and original song? I think they got concentrated on that way too late. I mean, considering that film had... Uh, early release in October, they could have gotten it started a little bit earlier, but they didn't really start campaigning that until like pfft, around Christmas. Honestly, it was like ridiculous. I, I love that song, so uh, but it's cool. Uh, best film editing nominees are this is a tricky category. Oh boy, the favorite. Okay. First Man, mm-hmm. Mission Impossible Fallout, mm-hmm. Roma, and Widows. That's good. Yeah, that's a very strong category. And no vice. Thank God. Well, I can I can live with that. <laughs> oh no no no! I'm just saying. I, I, I one thing I think that you're going to see a trend of here is that uh, the MVP film community does not like vice. Well, that's MVP. because our community is really smart. <laughs> ah, there you go. Best costume Matt, design. Yeah. Do you still like vice? I still like Vice. I am. I still like Vice so much that I am tempted to even kind of do a revisionist uh, paper piece, whatever you want to call it, essay, if you will, on why <laughs> why I think Vice is getting a little bit of an unfair. Uh, listen, I understand the criticisms, but I think it, I think people are taking it a little too hard, is all. And yet, you hate Sam Rockwell. I hate I hate Sam Rockwell in it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, best costume design nominees are Black Panther, Crazy Rich Asians. The favorite, Mary Poppins Returns, and Mary Queen of Scots. Right, so Buster Scruggs got kicked down in favor of Crazy Rich Asians. Which I can totally live with. Buster Scruggs didn't make it in for a song either. That's surprising because it it had a lot of support from like film Twitter and stuff. Uh, Best Cinematography, 
Nominees are The Favorite, First Man, If Beale Street Could Talk, Roma, and A Star is Born. Great category. I have to assume that people just didn't get a chance to see Cold War because if you do see it, you kind of yeah. have to admit that is amazing yeah. cinematography. I, I yeah, think that's exactly what happened here. It's still rolling out. I know here in Philadelphia, it's just in the city. It hasn't come to the suburbs yet. So I think as people discover that, if we were to do this in maybe three or four weeks, you might see a different result there. Cold War is one of my favorites of the year, and I think I, I sat down, I just wrote a review for it for a in-session film, I think, and I just sat and I went, this is one of the prettiest movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, oh my God. I would gladly hang up frames from that movie in my apartment. Gladly. Uh, best Documentary nominees are Free Solo, Minding the Gap, yes. RBG, yeah. Three Identical Strangers, and Won't You Be My Neighbor. Good category. That would have been my Oscar five, personally. but I just didn't like RBG. I thought it was very boring filmmaking, even if she's an incredible woman. like the, My grandma likes to like any movie about good people. It's like... <laughs> I'm like you. Sh- you should. You should think about like the filmmaking or or the quality of the movie. That's how I felt about RBG, and that's how we get Bohemian Rhapsody. All right, moving on. <laughs> that's a stretch from Ruth Bader Ginsburg to Freddie Mercury. <laughs> I'm just saying, though. Same same argument applies. People love the subject and they disregard everything else. <sighs> Foreign language film nominees are Burning, Cold nice. War, The yes. Guilty, Roma, and Shoplifters. Wow, The Guilty. Shoplifters is my movie of the year. Wow, I'm shocked that The Guilty made it in. That's actually very surprising to me. Well, I think I know why. It's a. It was a video-on-demand release, so I think the most amount of people could see it because foreign films get uh, get the smallest releases, you know? It also did play at Sundance last year, too. Yeah. Not not, not to say that, like, you know, I, I don't know how many of our you know fans in the community saw it at Sundance, but I'm just saying that, you know, it's been around. Yeah, yeah. I think it being on VOD did also help because that's how I saw it too. Yeah, it, it's a riveting movie. I can't wait for the remake with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I was going to mention that. That's super exciting. For best animated film, uh, we have Incredibles Two, Isle of Dogs, Mirai, Ralph Breaks the Internet, and Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. I would have been shocked if there was anything else other than these five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's been the consensus like all year that it was going to be those five movies. Has this been kind of a weak year for animated films? I think so. I think yeah. it's been a weak couple years for animated films, personally. Yeah, the fact that Coco had virtually no competition last year, at least this year you have Isle of Dogs, Incredibles 2, and Spider-Verse. Uh, yeah, kind of. All of those are good movies. Yeah. Uh, adapted screenplay nominees are Black Klansman. Nice. Can You Ever Forgive Me? If Beale Street Could Talk, A Star is Born, and Widows. Nice. Oh, that's nice. I was thinking First Man would get it because there's a lot of support for it online. Honestly, um, I'll reveal a little bit here. Leave No Trace and First Man were uh, the closest. I believe it. Was Death of Stalin up there? Death of Stalin got a couple of votes as well, but not, not as much as those other two. Got it. Uh, original screenplay. Nominees are Eighth Grade, The Favorite, First Reformed, Roma, and Sorry to Bother You. Isn't that like the dream Oscar? <laughs> it is for me. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that is definitely like a film Twitter lineup. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. That's a, those are no. pretty good movies. Oh, yeah, that, that is a really good list, but it does really feel like that is basically film Twitter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean... 
if we could have I just wish Green Book's chances had been diminished a long time ago if we had just like if it had just slowly faded away and then we could have just slowly snuck in like eighth grade two in screenplay would have been so nice it's like a fever dream <laughs> for best debut director the nominees are Ari Aster for Hereditary Bo Burnham for eighth grade Bradley Cooper for A Star Is Born, Good. Carlos Lopez Estrada for Blind Spotting, and Boots Riley for Sorry to Bother You. That's good. Yeah, it's a great lineup. And now, Best Director. Nominees are Bradley Cooper for A Star Is Born, Alfonso Cuaron for Roma, Barry Jenkins for If Beale Street Could Talk, Excellent. Yorgos Lanthimos for The Favorite, and Spike Lee for Black Klansman. That's an incredible lineup. Justice for Barry. Uh, for best breakout performance, the nominees are Yalitzia Aparicio for Roma, Cynthia Erivo for Bad Times at the El Royale. Such a great nomination. Yeah. Yeah. Elsie Fisher for Eighth Grade. She's going to win. Thomason McKenzie for Leave No Trace. And John David Washington for Black Klansman. Yeah, that's Michael a pretty solid lineup. Yeah, Elsie Fisher probably will win that. Uh, for best voiceover performance, we had a tie, which resulted in six nominees. Mm. So the nominees here for best voiceover performance are Josh Brolin for Avengers Infinity War, Brian Cranston for Isle of Dogs, Holly Hunter for Incredibles 2, Jake Johnson, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Shamik Moore for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And Ben Wishaw for Paddington 2. You know, I wish John Mulaney had made <laughs> it in for Spider-Ham, but besides that, that's fine. Or Nicolas Cage. I, I loved his... It was really funny. Man. <laughs> he was hysterical in that. Mm. Uh, for, for best youth performance. Mm. Two... Two... What? Oh, I'm sorry, Your Honor. Two youths. <laughs> it's uh, my cousin Vinny reference um, for best youth performance nominees are Elsie Fisher for 8th grade Thomas and McKenzie for Leave No Trace Millie Shapiro for Hereditary Militia Simmons for A Quiet Place and Amenla Stamberg for The Hate You Give oh yeah yeah <laughs> alright guys let's, uh, let's get to the biggies now best supporting actress nominees are Amy Adams for Vice Elizabeth Debicki for Widows. Yes! Oh. Good nomination. Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk. Cool. Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz for The Favorite. Nice. So, um, don't spoil, but up to now, is that, besides makeup, is that Weisz's only nomination? Uh, yes. Okay, that says a lot. For Best Supporting Actor, nominees are Mahershala Ali for Green Book, Adam Driver for Black Klansman, there we go. Sam Elliott for A Star Is Born, Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me? And Michael B. Jordan for Black Panther. Not Timmy. Nope. Wow, the Shalomaniacs didn't uh, penetrate this one. It's sort of surprising to me. <laughs> I was genuinely surprised. Like, really genuinely surprised. Because last year, oh, did, they, did they come out in full force? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, no, this year, um, I, all right, I mean, yes, he was in sixth place. But, yeah. <laughs> So, Best Actress, Yalitzia Aparicio for Roma, Tony Collette for Hereditary, Olivia Coleman for The Favorite, Elsie nice. Fisher for Eighth Grade, wow. 
and Lady Gaga for A Star is Born. No love for Glenn Close. No Glenn Close. Oh, the community really likes uh, Elsie Fisher. Yeah. I feel uh, I sense an eighth grade getting in for Best Picture. For Best Actor, Christian Bale for Vice, Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born, Ethan Hawke for First Reformed, Ryan Gosling for First Man. Nice. Mm. And John David Washington for Black Klansman. Nice selection there. Wow. That that Gosling nomination is kind of out of nowhere, but it's pretty cool. There was some good love for First Man. I can I can feel it. You know, I can feel it in Best Picture, too. For Best Ensemble, Black Panther, Crazy Rich Asians, The Favorite, If Beale Street Could Talk, and Widows. Not Black Klansman. Wow. And finally, the 10 nominated films for Best Picture for the 2018 MVP Film Community Awards are Black Klansman, 8th Grade, Hereditary, The Favorite, First Man, First Reformed, If Beale Street Could Talk, Roma, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and A Star is Born. I love film Twitter. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a good selection. I like all those movies. Yeah, I have to. I have to say, I'm I'm a little surprised with editing ensemble Elizabeth Debicki that Widows did not make the cut. Yeah, me too. Was it close? Uh, it was close. Um, but to see Spider Man into the Spider Verse crack in there was pretty awesome. I have to say. <laughs> was it and no Black Panther? Right? No Black Panther for Best Picture. Even though it did get ensemble, it got Michael B. Jordan. And, of course, a few of the tech awards as well. But, yeah, I, I haven't done a final tally in terms of, you know, total nominations yet for everything. But um, my guess is probably the favorite is leading, you know, considering it, yeah. it's a film that gets nominated everywhere. That would so. be a good assumption. It's a perfect movie. I don't see why we wouldn't nominate it everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's a good category. So those will be put up on the website later today uh, for everyone to vote on. You'll have two weeks to vote on those. And we will be announcing the winners on uh, February 17th, a week before the Oscars. All right. Well, anyone else have any other final tidbits before we go? We did well. Those those were some good nominations. Yeah, good job to the MVP community. Was that one nomination for Green Book? I believe that was one nomination for Green Book. Hold on. I will confirm that right now. Uh, That is only one nomination for Mahershal Ali. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. A big round of applause for everyone who did that. Thanks. Watch him now win. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> well, I don't know what else would win. Would it be Richard E. Grant, Grant? Probably. Yeah. Richard E. Grant will win. That's my guess. Yeah. Friend yeah, of the pod. Think. Friend of the pod. Yeah, can't forget that. There's a couple of categories here where I'm going to be extremely curious to see where everybody leans. Um, case in point. I know that I look at something like the best voiceover performance category. I don't know what everyone's going to pick for that or for, say, um, uh, the best film editing category is another one. You know, could go many different directions. So, Widows. Uh, like, what, like, and what's going to happen with song with, like, the, you know, three nominated Stars Born options there? I mean, you know, there's some interesting developments that might take place. Uh, but we're going to have our own interesting developments next week. Uh, for next week, we are going to reveal the team, the MVP team's uh, f- um, film awards nominations. I am calculating those as we speak. The ballots have been handed in. And then we will have um, our winners announced, I believe, actually the same weekend. Uh, now that I think about it, actually. Yeah, same weekend. We'll be announcing those on the 17th as well. 
along with the uh, MVP Film Community Awards winners. So it's going to be fun. Can't wait. It's going to be a lot of heartbreak, if anything. True. Alrighty. Well, with that said, I, I guess we're uh, all good to go. Uh, Carl, where can I find you on the internet? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Carl under, with a K underscore Dello. I also write things on smashcutreviews.com. Awesome. Ethan? Um, I'm on Twitter at selfseriousness, and uh, I uh, write for a few different websites, but primarily uh, Midline Network, uh, which is a new thing, and it's gotten a lot of support, so that's cool so far. Uh, Keith Loves Movies and uh, In Session Film. All friends of the MPP film community, thank you. Thank you so much, both of you, for being on today. Really, really appreciate both of you. And I appreciate my two friends over here. Josh Parham, where can I find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at J.R. Parham. And Michael Schwartz. On Twitter at mschwartz95. New handle there for Michael Schwartz. Get used to it. (laughs) (laughs) And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 128 of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and newly on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. And if you're feeling generous, head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us, like we said earlier, Lego Movie, Mad Max Fury Road. We have some other stuff in involving True Detective, which we are still recording, that we're going to be giving over to you as well through the Patreon channel, so head on over there and subscribe. Thank you so much for listening, as always. We shall see you all next time. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.